Let's just, let's kind of review a little bit of James, okay? Because it's actually, I'm, I'm kind of sad that I haven't been able to teach more because it's such a good book. But uh, chapter one, we're talking about trials bringing maturity. Nobody likes that, but consider it all joy when we go through trials. I'm still working on that. Okay, temptations are not from God. We talked about that in chapter one and how we have to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So that means we can hear the word, but unless we're doing something, we're not really taking it all in. So that's that was in chapter one. Chapter two, we talked a little bit about... Um, uh, about how we are to treat our neighbors. Um, James also tells us a little bit about real faith shows itself in deeds. And so faith without works is dead. We know that. So we learned that chapter three was really the chapter I wanted to hit on because it's the one I have the most problem with the importance of controlling your tongue. Pastor, I thought did a good job with that earthly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. He talked about that last week. So I now, huh, you got all you planned out. So I'm going to pick up in chapter four today. So I'm going to be t- talking right out of the, um, of the NIV version brother Donald for the most part. So if we can get that pulled up, Hey guys, I'm just going to pray right now because I feel like I'm Russian and I feel like that this word tonight is for me and could be for you. So let's just, let's just take a minute. Let me take a breath and let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for your word that's alive and active. God, you said your word, God, can penetrate, God, to the very depth of who we are. And God, some of this stuff that we're going to be talking about tonight needs to penetrate us deep, Lord. It needs to penetrate me deep. So Lord, help us not just hear it. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you go before me and prepare hearts and minds to receive this word. And God, as we receive it, God, let us not just hear it. God, let us not even just do it, but God, let us be it. Let's be this word. So we just thank you for that and what you're going to do tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's start in chapter four, verses one through 10. I'm going to read verses one through 10. Then we'll break that down a little bit. Okay. Actually, I have three points and then four points. So seven points total. Um, so friendship with the world is hatred toward God. That's my little sub, my little title above that. So chapter four, verse one says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you, what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm sorry. When I was studying, it was going back and forth in the scriptures. I didn't read it all in order like this. So so verse 7 says this. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So that was all of it. And I actually didn't today didn't go through it all like that because I started studying on Saturday and then I, it, we, the way we, we broke it down here, you'll see in a minute. So it was the first time I kind of read it all the way through. It stopped me for a minute. Okay. So we're going to look today at how to avoid arguments. That's the first part of James chapter four. James is a very practical book, perhaps the most practical book in the Bible. And as we get to chapter four, cause we talked about 
chapters 1 through 3, James talks about how we are to avoid arguments. He doesn't beat around the bush when he discusses arguments. He gets right to the point. So verse 1 again says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? The message translation actually says it this way. Where do you think all of these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. As I was studying this, I couldn't help but think of my kids. Because that is every, I mean, not so much now they're older, but when they were little, every single thing they fought over was something about themselves. I want that toy, uh, you took my whatever, fill in the blank, you know, and it was always an argument or a quarrel about selfish ambition. And that's exactly what James is talking about here. And listen, it really doesn't change when we become adults. And it really doesn't change when we become married. And it really doesn't, if you, we're going to see this in a minute. So this verse here can be applied to any arguments in your marriage with your children, siblings, politics, etc. It's interesting that conflict starts early in life, even before we can talk. Think about this. Have you ever noticed that when a baby wants to be gratified, they let you know? Babies have certain needs and desires, and they let you know when those needs and desires are not met. Have you ever seen that? A baby will just pitch a fit if they don't get their way, right? Um, And so... We train our kids, hopefully, if we've done it right, to not be so selfish. To not, we try to at least train them to not be so selfish. That starts, I was talking to a parent today, actually, and she was saying that her sister's two-year-old is in daycare. And the sister was really upset with another parent because the other two-year-old took her two-year-old's toy. And so she wanted to have a meeting with the parent. The sister was telling me, like, can you believe? She wanted to have a meeting with the parent because she can't control her two-year-old. And she was like, we were talking about that. It was laughing. I was like, and I knew I was studying this. And I was like, that's how quarrels start. We all want our own way. And so now parents are going to get involved and have a quarrel because, they, you know, you can't teach your kid how to. Listen, at two, we expect it, right? We train it. But at 22 and 42 and 62, it's not real attractive, Right? And so it's kind of what James is talking to here. He's telling his people, it's like, you want to know what causes this? I'm about to tell you, he says. Okay, so as we get older, we still have needs and desires. Some of them are self-centered. Most of them are self-centered. And when they butt heads with other needs and desires, then there's conflict. There's going to be arguments and conflicts in life, but how you handle them makes a difference. So one more time before we get into this, let's look at James 1.4. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So now let's just talk about this. This is the first three points we're going to talk about. What what are the desires we're talking about? The first one is the desire to have possessions. And that's your blank. The desire to have possessions. We want things. It's how we start out in life. Mine. I mean, you know, these little kids, they learn the word no and mine real quick. Mine, mine, mine. Everything's theirs. They, want, they think everything belongs to them, right? And we teach them because that's kind of how they were born with the selfish nature. That's part of being human. And we, te- we hopefully teach kids to live a little better life than that. We, at least we try to, right? And if you think that's not true, you could just go take a step back there in that fellowship hall right now. They're playing games and eating ice cream. And I can tell you there's some quarreling going on because somebody didn't win or get an ice cream in their timing, right? 
It's just, it happens. It happens all the time. Okay, so he's talking about this. James says this. That is, he's saying we, we, because of the desires that we want. So we're going to talk about three desires. The desire to have possessions. We all want to have stuff. We all like nice things. Materialism and possessions. We like having nice things around us. God created us to have and enjoy things. The problem arises when we love stuff or position. We'll talk about that in a minute. More than we love people. And that's where it comes in where we get real selfish because we start loving the things we want more than we love people. And so the problem, oh, I said that. We have a big problem when we use people. Oh, this was really good. Let me read this slow to you. We are to use our possessions to show people that we love them. Sharing, giving, what we have. Time, talent, treasures, right? We have a big problem when we use people because we love our stuff. We start loving things and using people instead of loving people and using things. And listen, guys, it's, it's human nature. Like we actually have to fight that. Okay. Because when it all comes down to it, we want what we want. We want our way. We want to be right. I, I, I met plenty of people and sometimes I'm one of them who's a right fighter. It's okay being a right fighter, but when I start stamp, trampling over people to be right, I'm wrong. Because people are important. And when we start having possessions, and I'm not just talking about possessions as far as earthly things. I'm talking about positions and titles. And when we start using that to get over on people, that's when we cross the line. That's where quarrels come among us. And James is, I'm sure, because he was dealing with people, was dealing with the same things. And when he, so when he was dealing with people, he was saying, hey, guys, you got to recognize where this comes from, and we have to deal with it. And unfortunately, it happens in the church just as much as it happens anywhere else. Not because we're perfect, but because we're all people, right? We're people. And so as we teach our children to do better, we also want to teach uh, ourselves to do better with big people things. We teach little people to do better with little people things. We, we are big people. We want to do better with big things, right? Okay. The sad fact is this. Oh, I love this. I mean, some of you will get it, but we have our DVDs and our MP3s, but we find that we are still SAD. And what I meant by that is we have all these things, this stuff. We have all this stuff. And most of the time, people are just still empty, just still empty. And it's like, and if you don't think you have a lot of stuff, just come with me one time to El Salvador. And then you will realize that I have way too much stuff. Stuff. I just have stuff. I, I, t- I have a little spiritual daughter in El Salvador that I talk to every week. We, we get on Skype and talk. And um, so I, I send her money when I can or when she needs it. She's in college, and she went through Bible school. She went through Master's Commission. So anyway, we talk every week. And so I was telling her the day, and I said, uh, like, she said something about a new pair of shoes. And I said, listen, how many pairs of shoes do you have? Because she's very Americanized. <laughs> she, she, she grew up in an orphanage, so she has a lot of sponsors, people helping her. And I'm one of them. I help her as much as I can. She's the sweetest thing ever. But I said, hey, how many pairs of shoes you got? Now, the truth is, she probably doesn't have as much as me, the shoes she has. What I was trying to tell her is, the culture you live in, less is more. But the truth is, I should have that same culture, less is more, right? We have a lot of stuff. I'm not saying anything's wrong with stuff, because shoes is not my thing. Now, if you want to talk about books, I have a problem. But shoes is not my thing, so everybody has a thing, I get it. So I ain't judging. But what I'm saying is, sometimes, though, even for trivial things... We just want, want, want. And sometimes we hurt people. I I know I have unintentionally. I mean, I don't think we mean to. I hope we don't mean to. 
But sometimes we do because we want more possessions and it's not, it's not right. It's not fair. You know, I deal with that with my boys all the time because I know this is on Facebook live, but I say we live in bougie Berwick and you always want better and better. Hunter's about to get a car and I'm just embarrassed to even tell you what he wants, but he's, you know, he, it's between him and his grandma, but he wants a car. And I was like, Hunter, you understand that you're blessed, but you're blessed to be a blessing. Just trying to teach them that. But, but as I'm teaching my kids, I'm realizing I got to teach myself too, that I have to be responsible for what God's given me and to make sure that as I'm getting stuff that I'm not overlooking people, right? People are more important than things. Okay. So that's what he was saying. We kind of get in, we kind of get into these things because we want more stuff. Um, we find that we are still sad. I said, a survey was taken of couples getting a divorce. They were asked, what was the number one reason you filed for divorce? And I put this in here because we're really going to concentrate on families, uh, building strong families this fall. And so we're going to concentrate on marriages. But listen to this. 56% of people they surveyed that was getting divorced said, we're getting a divorce because of money problems. Things became the battleground. It's no wonder the Bible says in 1 Timothy, and I put this in here, 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evils, all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves and many, with, with many griefs. The love of money, the love of things, the love of possessions. And so we got to be careful. Maybe this part don't apply to you, but we have to be careful because this is one of those things that desires that causes grief, that causes quarrels among us. And we have to be really careful about that. So let's move on to the second one. The second thing that brings us to the next desire, the desire to have pleasure. That's your blank pleasure. So the desire to have possessions, the desire to have pleasure. We all want to feel good. We all want to enjoy life. We all want to have our senses satisfied. But look at what James says in verse three. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's not wrong to enjoy life. As a matter of fact, first Timothy six seventeen says this. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. That's first Timothy six seventeen. It's not wrong to enjoy life, but when my pleasure becomes my, my number one goal in life, it will cause conflict. It'll cause conflict among my family. It'll cause conflict among my church people. It'll cause conflict among my work people. When my pleasure, what I want, what I want to do. And sadly, we live in a world that's all about me, 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 I, I, I. What makes me feel good? As a matter of fact, you know, the slogan is, you know, do what feels, do what feels right. Well, the problem is you follow your heart. It's going to lead you astray. You better follow God and his word. That's the only source of, of concrete truth we have because me and Pastor Mo say this all the time. Feelings, although real, are very often not true. So we have to do a, a, sometimes an emotions check. I'm feeling this certain way, but is it the truth? Is it, I was counseling somebody this week and I said, listen, you got to, on, in times like this, you got to think about what's true. She got, she got, it was a friend of mine that lives in Lake Charles area, but she got a devastating report. And I said, okay, let's think about what's true. And sometimes you just have to start there for her. Okay. First God is healer, period. Right. That's truth. God is good. Period. God's already been in today. He's not surprised by that report. So he must have a plan. And sometimes we can get overwhelmed in life with pleasures. We want to feel good. I mean, 
raise your hand if you just want to have all the money you need, all the, the, the house you need, all the car you need, everything. I mean, who won't want that, right? We all want the blessings. But what happens is that creates a whole culture of not being appreciative of God and not needing God. And if you don't think that's true, just think of our kids. We are God's children. Think of our kids. When we give them everything they want in life, they become spoiled brats. They disrespect you. They don't need you anymore, right? Some things they just need to work for. Well, don't you think God's the same way as a parent? Like, I can give you all of that, but I realize if I do, you wouldn't need to rely on me. So I I would rather have the relationship with you where you're talking to me and I can, and so I think about that sometimes, like, God, what, you know, you see people struggle in this area, and I think sometimes God, just the Heavenly Father says, I just want relationship. Reminds me of the time I said this before, when Hayden gets sick in life. <laughs> Hayden is my one, you know, but he's, most of the time, he's good. But when he's sick, all of a sudden, he needs his mama. And when he was little, I used to tell Mo, I kind of like when he's sick. That's a shame, but I kind of like it because he wants to cuddle and he, he needs me to help him because he was so independent, you know? And then, boy, isn't God must be like that sometimes? Where it's like, man, she's just doing her own thing. She doesn't even really need me. She barely said hello. Man, I kind of like when she needs me. I kind of like when life gets tough. I mean, I don't think he likes to see us suffer, but I, don't, I didn't want my baby to be sick, but I wanted him to want me. I think God must be just like that. And so we have to be careful not to give in to the desire of pleasure and making sure that, you know what, God, I'm going to talk to you today, not because I need you so much, but because I want to today. Today, God, I just want to spend time with you. I just want, now my boys are, you know, 16 and 17, and so this is how this goes down. Hey, Mom, they come to me. Hey, Mom, you look pretty today. My response is, what do you want? (laughs) Because I know, right? Man, I wonder if God's like that when we're like, hey, God. I wonder if he's like, I wonder what she wants because she don't ever talk to me like that unless she wants something. Let's not be those kids, right? Let's not be spoiled brats like that. Let's just actually talk to God just because, just because we don't need anything. And the truth is, even when my kids do that and really don't want anything, I'm suspicious. I'm like, what do they want? What, What do they really want? I know something's up, right? So, And when I really find out they didn't want anything, my heart is full. Oh, they just really wanted to come love on me. God must be just like that. He's a parent. He must be just like that. They just want to spend time with me because they want to spend time with me. Okay, got to move, got to move. The third desire we're talking about is the desire to have power. This is, so power is your blank. This is a desire to have prominence and popularity. I want to be known. I probably should go teach this in youth. I want to be somebody. We walk around saying, look at me. Children do that all the time, don't they? Little children say, watch me, daddy. Look at me, mom. Um, adults say same thing. Maybe we don't say it, but that's what we mean. Hey, look at me, everybody. We have to be really careful when we want power that we don't become proud. So there's the other word there, proud. I'm not in a blank, but because being proud can lead to pride. And it's what Proverbs says about being proud. Too much pride causes trouble. Be sensible and take advice. Look at what James tells us in verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why scriptures say God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. You want the favor of God on your life? There's a clue right there. Be humble before the Lord. Be humble. You know, I, um, this is probably, this is a big area for me because I have to really be careful not to be overconfident in my ability. 
and to realize that every, everything that I can do comes from God. To teach, I can remember, and guys, listen, I'm just, I can only use me as an example and my kids because that's what I know, right? But I remember the day you could not have paid me to get up here and teach in front of people. I can remember that day. I can remember the day where if you were to tell me I was going to have to talk to adults because we were youth pastors, I was like, I could do that all day. I can remember, I can remember being at First Assembly West Monroe and thinking if I ever have to talk in front of adults, I mean, just take me home right now, Lord, I can't do it, right? I can remember the day somebody asked me to speak. We were pastoring in Desalmans and somebody asked me to speak at a ladies thing and I thought I was going to hyperventilate and it was terrible, it was absolutely terrible. I mean, they were nice and said, you know, thank you for coming. It was terrible. And then I remember the day I asked God to give me the gift of teaching because I realized that was a gift. See, people can teach with ability, but then some people just get the gift. And then I remembered the, the love I had for his word after that and how I wanted to teach. And now don't get, don't get caught asking me any questions because then you're going to get a whole lesson because now it's in me, Right? But I also have to be careful. Every time I teach, this is just a little hint for you guys to know, not to make myself look proud, but just to tell you where I have to stand and check, right? Because I know God's given me the gift of teaching. Every time during worship, I had to pray and say, Lord, don't let me think I'm better than I am because I know that everything I have comes from you, and in one second it can be gone. I know that. I know that. I try to teach my kids that while I'm trying to teach myself that. I tell them, you know, Hayden thinks he's the football star, right? And Hunter, of course, in the classroom, he excels. And I say this to them all the time. You do realize that one bad test could bring them that 4.0 down. Like, don't be getting too proud. Study. Study to show yourself approved. Do the work. Faith without works is dead. Do the work if you want the faith to be able to do what you got to do. Hayden, I understand you're great at football, and he is. One accident, and that's done. Your character better be there. I understand that I'm good at teaching. One bad sermon one bad teaching could just throw me right down. You got to know where that comes from and don't let pride come in. Stay humble before the Lord and the favor of God will be on your life. James says it right here. That's good. So that's three desires. We could have probably done a few more, but I wanted to get to this too. Because there's a cure for this. So our desires. Okay, here we go. God declares war on pride. God declares war on selfishness. Have you ever noticed that when you think I've got it all together, something else falls apart? Or is that just me? Right when I think, man, I'm a great teacher, I'll have one bad uh, message and I'm like, I'm never teaching again. (laughs) It was terrible. I should have studied more. I should have. Listen, that's not my ability. That's God's. I do the work. I study for what I'm going to teach and then he, he does the rest, right? So we have to not be sure to not become prideful. Hey, guys, none of us are immune from that. None of us. None of us. I have to keep it in check. And sometimes I don't catch it. And the Holy Spirit reminds me, hey, that was a little bit prideful. Then I have to repent. Keep yourself in check with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So James 4 and 10 again says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I love that. You see, the key to avoiding argument is humility. Humility is not thinking of yourself, less of yourself. Not thinking I'm not a good teacher. I'm not. What it is is thinking of yourself less. Where it's not about me. It's about maybe what does Miss Nancy need to hear tonight? Maybe Miss Nancy needs me to call her today. It's not about me and my schedule. I try to do this every morning. I'm not 100% perfect with it, but I try to do this every morning because I'm a a list. I like list. And so I will sit in my quiet time each morning, which right now I'm getting up at 515. 
oh, Lord Jesus, I need help. Because I got to get up before them boys and get my time with God so that they have a good mama when they get up. But I try to sit in my quiet time and say, okay, God, here's my, here's my to-do list for today. Now, before I even start on it, do you have, do you have something for me to do? Because, look, I can get all wrapped up in what I got to do and then forget about God. You know, and so we all, I know that I know it's not just me. I know we all can get like that. So be sure to stay humble before him. Okay. So you see the keys to avoiding arguments is humility. Thinking of yourself less. It's putting others needs above your own. How do you humble yourself? Well, James is very practical and he gives us four steps to becoming humble. And this is where we're going to try to bring this in tonight. One, submit to God. This is how we do this to avoid arguments and quarrels. Submit to God. Uh, Verse 7 says that. Let God be God of your life. Let him be the boss of your life. Verse 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. So that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to let God be the boss. Let him take control. Put him in charge. Yield yourself to him. This is the starting point to being humble. God, you're in charge of my day. You're in charge of my life. What do you want? And listen, God has messed up my plans plenty of times. I just want to tell you. Like I've had a whole day planned and God will just... One phone call will change my whole, my whole world. I've had to learn to be flexible. I've had to learn to be humble and say, it's not really about me. And I've, here's what I figured out, guys. Here's a secret. When you stop with your doing, when God interrupts your day and does what he wants to do, all of a sudden, everything you had to do gets done. I don't know how that happens. I'm like, well, okay. And the things that don't get done weren't important anyway. Like when I listen to God interrupt my whole schedule, and look, he does that. They tell you about the time I was getting my nails done, and the lady on side of me, and it's, it was my day off, and I'm getting my nails done. This was years ago, and the lady on side of me said, um, she, I don't know, she asked some random qu- I didn't know her. She, so she started some small chit-chat with me, and then all of a sudden she said, are you a Christian? And I was like, I said, yeah, yeah, I am, actually. And she said, well, I have some hard questions. And I'm sitting there getting my nails done, and I'm, and I'm this is what I'm saying to myself, because y'all don't think less of me. Don't look at me with them holy eyes. We've all been there. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, please not today. It's my day off. <laughs> it's my day off. And so the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, we don't have a day off. We don't have a day off. And so I began to talk to her, and we're right there in that nail salon. We started praying, and she started, because she has some hard stuff happening. You know, she lost a child. I mean, some hard stuff, Right? And tell me how a loving God can do that. You know the questions we get. And I don't even try to have the answers for that. But you know what? I'm going to represent God. I'm going to represent love. And so on my day off, me and God worked. And we prayed for her. And I kept in touch with her for a while. I'm I'm not saying that. Listen, what I'm telling you, don't, don't look at me like, oh, she's great. No, I did not want to do that. I did not. I wanted to get my nails done and, and leave. It was my day off. It was Monday. I wanted to get... But God said, no, we don't get a day off. That lady needed me, and she put me right in that chair right next to her. And so we have to submit to God. He's in charge of our day. I'm telling you that story. There's probably plenty of stories I could tell you where I just didn't. I just missed God. I didn't yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We have to get to the place where we submit to God. Let him take over. Colossians 3.15 tells us this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Before we can have peace with others, we must have first have peace with God. Here's what James says this, that the conflicts we have with people is because we are not right with God. He says that in so many words. We don't get along with people because we don't have our priority right. Our relationship with God is our first priority. 
So we need peace. We can only have peace with ourselves when we have peace with the Prince of Peace. We can only have peace with others when the Prince of Peace rules our lives. So submit to God. Conflict in your life will stop when you stop praying, Lord, change them. And when you say, Lord, change me. Do you know that you and God only have the right to change you? That's it. You can't change anybody else. I mean, maybe God can, but he's not going to go against their will. So the only person I have control over is me. So me and God are the only people who can change me, and that's when I let them. So maybe if we stop praying, God, please change them. Please change these circumstances. How about praying this? God, please change me, and whatever circumstances I need to change, help me to do that. Because I realize this, that if I let God change me, some of my problems just go away. Because sometimes I am the problem, right? Sometimes we are the problem, so we submit to God. Okay, the starting point of getting along with others is finding peace with God. The second step is this, resist the devil. So James says that. He says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Be aware that you are, when you start submitting to God, Satan will not like it. But James makes us this promise that he will have to flee. The word resist is a term that is used in warfare. It means to stand against, to withstand the attack. It means that we must prepare for battle. We must train for the enemy's assault. He wants to destroy our relationship with God, and he wants to create chaos in your, in your world. James tells us to give in to God and to resist Satan. We need to let God have control of our lives, not the devil. If you get up in the morning and you hit the devil head on, it means that you two are not headed in the same direction. Think about that. That's a good thing. Resist him. Go the opposite direction of him. Believe me, the devil is not headed toward God. But if you are, then you will run right into him. And then we resist him. Because, you know, if you're not really doing what God wants you to do, he ain't fighting you. Because his enemy is really God. Now, he hates us because God loves us so much. But his enemy is really God. Have you ever had somebody not like you because of your association with somebody else? Yeah, that happens, all, that happens often. Probably more often than we want to admit. The devil hates us because of our association with God. So if we're not submitted to God, he ain't really going to mess with you. I mean, he might still try to kill, steal, and destroy you. That's his plan forever. But he's, you know, so run toward God. You're going to run into, you know, I used to have a a say in a sign or something that said, I want to be the kind of woman that when I get up in the morning, the devil says, oh, man, she's up. Right? Because I don't, he's, he's at peace when I'm asleep because I'm fighting the battle. In worship. That's another whole sermon. I can't go there tonight. Okay. Step three, draw near to God. Oh, I've got to get through this real quick. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So how do we draw closer to God? This is so good. By having a daily quiet time, by reading your Bible, by praying, by going to church, by getting involved. I put this, by coming to ladies Bible study. Okay. Just extra. All these things help us draw closer to him. So get involved. First John one seven says this, if we, walk, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So draw closer to God. Number four, seek forgiveness. Boy, this is the big one, and I really wish I had more time on it. But if you want to avoid, so seek is your word. If you want to avoid arguments in your life, you need to learn to ask for forgiveness, both from God and from other people. James says this, verse 8 and 9, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Our hands represent our actions. Our hearts represent our attitudes. 
James is saying, hey, clean up your act. Don't minimize what's happened. Take it seriously. It's a big deal if you hurt the people. Be willing to ask for forgiveness. When we get our lives right with God, it affects our relationship with other people. If, they have wrong, if you have wronged someone, we need to seek God's forgiveness. But we also need the forgiveness of the person we have offended. That takes a lot of effort and a whole lot of unselfishness. And let me just end with this. I want to say this. So four things. We're going to um, make my little four points here with my glasses on. We're going to submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, and seek forgiveness. This is how we avoid quarrels and arguments and conflict and strife. Guys, this is what I want to say. Be known as a person who's quick to ask for forgiveness. And let me, let me explain something about forgiveness. I know we always, it's kind of a taboo thing, but let me explain something. When you sincerely ask somebody to forgive you, you're not responsible for if they do. Okay? Because in my life, that happens a lot. I'm really quick to ask for forgiveness because my heart is not to make anybody not like me. And if I think I've offended anybody or hurt anybody, it hurts my heart. So I'm really quick to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes that doesn't come across as sincere. Sometimes people ask me to forgive them, and I'm thinking, they don't really mean that. That's not my business. You know, it's my new little saying. What other people think of me is none of my business. What God thinks of me is all of my business, right? And so be quick to ask for forgiveness, and then please be quick to forgive. That's how we avoid arguments. You want to know the real key to avoiding arguments? It is submit to God, draw near, resist the devil, but seek forgiveness. And let's be a people who walk in forgiveness. That's good? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it is a light into our feet. God, sometimes we don't know the next step to take. And then we turn to James chapter 4 and you tell us right there. God, you tell us to resist the enemy. God, you tell us not to give in and not to believe him and not to give in to his schemes. God, you tell us to draw near to you. You tell us to seek forgiveness, God. You tell us these things. So God, as we wonder what the next step is in our life, God, let us heed to your word. To love our neighbors as we love ourselves, God, because we are selfish people and we love ourselves. Help us to love our neighbors just like we love ourselves, God. Help us to really know what that means. God, I thank you, Lord, because you're guiding us, you're leading us, God. And God, you're, giving, you're, you're putting us on a mission and a purpose, God, to be your representation here on this earth. And we thank you for that. God, be with your people. God, I, I pray a pastoral blessing. We speak favor and blessings over your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.